1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, and welcome to another episode of Health in Harlem here on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. We're joined today with Reed Vero and Maurice Selby, and I'm Giorgio Malouf, and today we're going to be talking about living beyond COVID-19. The question today is to mask or not to mask. And Mo, you have a, a few statistics that you were talking to us about in the green room. So what does the new data say about the current situation with COVID-19? Is it is it over?
0: Ladies and gentlemen, 26,958 new cases, 939 new deaths, 1,916 new admissions currently across the country, 14,265 people hospitalized. This is according to the Centers for Disease Control COVID Data Tracker as of March 22nd, 8 p.m. Of course, this year, 2022. I mean, looking at these hardcore numbers, they sound pretty large, but these are indicating a significant downtrend in cases across the country. I think everybody's probably seen this around them um, with this corresponding to the mass lightning of previous restrictions and the relaxation of everything from mask mandates to, you know, businesses, including restaurants, not asking for vaccination status, even schools getting rid of um, mask requirements right throughout the country. New York City plans to end mask mandates for schools in the city on April 4th. And so, yeah, the case is everything is going down, man. This is uh, tremendous. This is what I see. Um, in the emergency department, um right, working as a, an emergency physician, I've definitely seen what we see with these large sort of numbers, right? Um, from a macroscopic level, everything across the country going down. I've seen that in my personal practice in the ER, um, the rates going down. Very few patients coming in testing positive and ending up being hospitalized um at this point.
1: now, now, Mo. Is that a little bit different than the situation that's happening in Europe? I know that usually whenever there is a new wave of a new variant, historically it's been followed by a new wave or a new spike in the United States. Uh, I I know that there Mm. is currently a new wave that's going around of the new BA.2 variant. And Mm. uh, I'm wondering if, if the current data is pointing towards the same thing happening once again.
0: Well, now I'm thinking about that. I think it was um, what was the, was it Mad TV's episodes, and they had the Debbie Downer <laughs> episode. Do you guys remember that? Maybe on TV. You yeah, remember, that? remember? Oh man, that. this is where I gotta be. Are Debbie you calling Downer, me Debbie right? Downer? Uh, no, or, not you. Or me news. <laughs> nah, man, me
2: man. It's okay, me. Okay. I'm being
0: a Debbie Downer. All right, put it this way. It if you haven't like seen that, over,
2: look it up. Like
0: that's a yeah. Good you got to see it. They are hysterical. Um, (laughs) I wish we did video ladies and gentlemen, we are working toward video cast because I would love to do that expression (laughs) that she does (laughs) on the show. Um, but yeah, man, I'm going to be the Debbie downer right now. Okay. Because COVID ain't over. It feels like it. I'm not going to front. It definitely feels like it. Um, in the emergency department, it feels like it for me having just gone on vacation and we were out there like in the pools, in the hotel, And everybody's maskless, like chilling, maskless, very comfortable, meeting new people, talking to them, that six feet distancing and 12 feet distancing, not, you know, 100 percent honored all the time. Um, And so it feels like it, but it's not it's not over. I got to be the Debbie Downer right now, because um, as we said, right, there's still 14000 people across the country hospitalized with covid. There are still one thousand, almost 2000 new admissions uh, daily, right? With this like seven day average. And so it's not over. And then as you brought up, Giorgio, we have this BA2 variant that is going around. Um, it is approximately 30% of the cases being diagnosed in New York City at this moment. It is reportedly so wave is here. more contagious than the, yeah, than the BA1 variant, right? The initial Omicron variant. Um, and so it's here, it's spreading and it will soon be the large chunk of cases throughout the country. Now, fortunately, looking at some of this data that's coming in, it doesn't seem to be any more virulent, meaning it doesn't seem to be causing more severe disease um, in people. Uh, also, the rate of hospitalizations um, in other countries, so in Europe and in Asia, where we definitely see um, some pretty large outbreaks of this subvariant. The data at this point has not shown it to be any more likely to increase hospitalizations than Omicron. But remember, the problem with Omicron, right, is that it was crazy contagious. And there's always that subset of people that are going to have complications from this illness. Um, Those higher risk populations, right, the elderly, individuals with immune deficiencies or problems, people that are unvaccinated, they can have complications. And with such a large chunk um, that are exposed to this and it being very contagious, we can still see increases in hospitalizations and deaths. And so with that said, it's not over. Debbie Downer.
2: Now,
1: <laughs> now Mo, is, is there some good news? What What's happening with the people who have received their booster shots? Are, are they showing any sort of protection? Is there enough data to be able to make those kind of inferences? Or uh, mm. is it still up in the air, whether or not people who are already vaccinated are going Mm -hmm. to be protected from this new substrain or or variant, I should say.
0: Subvariant. So it is, at this time, the other fortunate thing, right, in addition to it not being, uh, or at least we're not seeing it causing more severe disease or complications than the original Omicron variant. uh, It also seems that vaccination is still protective. Now, that's I know there's probably folks out there listening like well he's going to talk about the hell yeah I'm going to talk about the vaccines they're still protective <laughs> so if you were looking for <laughs> like this is it oh, they they don't work um I'm sorry they work now when it comes to preventing infection period um you know we we saw a lot of breakthrough cases with omicron we saw a lot of breakthrough cases with delta and this ba2 subvariant can cause breakthrough infections right that's not a surprise um but also it's not a surprise that The vaccines still seem to be very effective um, in preventing complications that require hospitalization, right? Um, And also in preventing people from dying from this illness. And so the vaccines still seem to be effective, especially for those that have had a booster, right? They have even more protection when it comes to preventing complications from COVID-19, including death
1: which is the whole point of the vaccine. The vaccine was never meant to, to prevent any kind of infection as much as it is to boost and make a more robust uh, immune response if you are exposed to it again. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we have a pretty good uh, efficacy of these vaccines and yes. uh, the boosters and, and the data definitely shows it. So I think a lot of people tend to, to measure the efficacy of the vaccine based on whether or not. There is an infection, but Mm -hmm. in reality, the the vaccine is doing exactly what it was intended to do. Yes.
0: And you are less like, and that's the thing, right? At the, when we look at the initial strains that were around the alpha variant, right? Um, It did prevent infection, right? It did. And that is one of the purposes of developing vaccines, but also, as you said, one of the other purposes is to really, right, if one were to come down with the infection, regardless of being vaccinated, another point of effectiveness or looking at its efficacy is as you exactly as you said, in preventing people from ending up in the hospital looking crazy with Maurice Don So we by the bedside like, man, we're going to do everything we can, but we also got to pray and hope you pull through on this. right? Um, so that's. I mean, that's what it, that's reality. That's what I'm talking. So the thing is, it's not over. Um, now, the fortunate thing, too, because, again, this is a bright side show. I had to be the Debbie Downer, but also <laughs> on the bright side, what a glass has fo- half full, however you want to look at it, compared to where we were not very long ago. And I'm talking just a month and a half ago. Right. Uh, in January, we had 40,000 plus cases daily and, you know, really ridiculous hospitalization rates and fatality. When we're in a much better place. We're in a far better place than when we started because um, we have things like vaccines. We have a number of individuals that have acquired some natural immunity from having been infected with it. And we have much better treatments for it, period. Right. Um, so we're in a vastly different place. But at the same time, if we become too complacent, we still run a risk of having some of the same problems that we've been dealing with for the last two years, right? Um, Because we know, again, there are still vulnerable populations. There is still the prospect of new, more harmful variants, right? And also there is the potential for the same social and economic disruptions that we've seen with the prior stages of this pandemic, right? And so what we've learned about SARS-CoV-2 and its spread and its social implications, All of that can be applied to really help us not only with COVID, but also, and we'll talk about common sense stuff, man. That's what it comes down to the basics. Um, Where it It can help us with other problems. Influenza, I'm telling you, during that first year and change of COVID, it was rare that I was diagnosing flu, right? Complications from the flu, especially. That's because we were masking and distancing and washing our hands, being like, exercising good hygiene (laughs) like that stuff well why not continue that and i'm not i mean we'll get into it ladies and gentlemen right to mask or not to mask i think that's not even the question anymore it's really just about asking the question in general right do we want to be safe or not do we want to minimize the risk to ourselves and others as much as we can right when you go out for a drive do you think about wearing your seatbelt? I mean, yeah. For some people, it's like, yeah, it's the law. They don't want a ticket, right? But the majority of us put that on. It's kind of automatic behavior. We're protecting ourselves and our vehicles. Um, even if the rates of accidents are going down, you still wear your seatbelt, right? J- the same thing. You, you don't drink and drive. Even if it's late at night and nobody else is on the road, you don't drink and drive because you're protecting yourself and you're protecting others. And so there's Absolutely. just some baseline behaviors, a lot of it being common sense that I think we need to exercise at this point. And so that we can continue to open back up and do the things that we all want to do and get back to enjoying. That's what it really comes down to.
2: And I think a lot of people need to realize, you know, we've been as America as a country, we've been lucky so far in terms of global pandemics. I mean, uh, George Bush, uh, Barack Obama, both. I think George Bush originally flew out for some vacation and ended up reading a book about a pandemic and then freaked out. Mm. And he was like, damn, this could happen. Uh, let me institute like a pandemic preparedness program. Both of them had it. Um, I think Trump cut it. But, you know, this has been something that we've been thinking about and has been on the horizon in, in Asian countries. Pandemics are so common that, you know, a lot of the times people wear masks just on the subway when there's no pandemic. Uh, they're already doing that before the pandemic even happened. So I think we need to realize that we've been lucky as a country to be able to avoid this, but we're going to have to alter our lifestyles for sure.
0: No, that's a fact. And private, and exactly prior to COVID, right? We, we were really Fortunate. We didn't have that original SARS um, that they dealt with. I remember going as a medical student, um, a global health elective during my fourth year of medical school. And I was asking that question, like, yo, oh, why is this? Why are you wearing a mask? A, a friend of mine, um, a, a student that I was rotating with. And uh, that was her response. Well, I'm not feeling too well today. So I'm wearing this so I don't spread anything. That was the response, like almost verbatim. Isn't that crazy? Right. This is something that is being practiced everywhere else. Um, and going forward from what we've learned thus far, I don't think it would be bad business to do that <laughs> going forward, you know, with some good old common sense. And so I think we should get into some situations because I've definitely been in some situations recently where my wife asks, where friends and family ask like, yo, should I wear a mask? I don't know. Even as a clinician, right, as a doctor dealing with this day in, day out, there are times where I'm like, yo, I don't know. Should I wear my mask? And this I don't know if I should do it. Should I do that? So I think what would be really helpful and what we plan to do, ladies and gentlemen, um, on this program of Health in Harlem, on this episode, was really just to talk about some real life scenarios and how we've sort of dealt with that on an individual basis, right? Based on everything that's happening around us. Um, I think we've seen a drastic change in the CDC's recommendations recently where they have really, in terms of their guidance to The public. You know, before it was very concrete, hard recommendations coming down. I apologize for everything you might hear in the background, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I need a door in my home office, so you might hear some drama with the kids and stuff. But anyway, we're going to listen through that. Focus, right? Focus. Um, (laughs) But in terms of those recommendations coming down, it was always hardcore wear a mask. These are the situations, right? XYZ, follow these protocols. And I think they've relaxed that recently partly because we've seen the rates dropping tremendously, um, but also from a realistic standpoint, people's situations are very, very different. Um, The environments that we have inhabit, the social circles we inhabit, the things that we do day in, day out, um, and even from county to county, right? City to city, there are differences. Um, And so what they've done is sort of given the responsibility or at least um, outsourced, sort of some of the decision making to local districts, right? That's what we're saying now is looking at your local data, what's happening around you, what's happening in your city or county, um, and then making decisions there, right? Having the local governments and agencies make decisions based on what's happening locally. And so with that said, I don't think that's a bad thing for us individually to talk about what the decisions we make day in, day out. Um, how we can protect ourselves, right? In light of the fact that COVID is still around and it will be around, right? We've talked about this. This is essentially a series now in our program, living beyond COVID-19. And I think it's something that we are going to continue to learn as we go forward, right? How to how to safely live with this virus circulating amongst us. And so I think, I don't know, maybe we start with the most common thing, especially being that we got some holidays coming up, um, Easter. We have Memorial Day. It's getting nice and warm out. And I see people congregating everywhere. So I think maybe we can start with just the good old family gathering.
1: So whenever we uh, get together around the holidays, we do notice that there seems to be spikes that that tend to follow that shortly after. And so there is a worry, obviously, that this is going to be no different. Mo, what should we do? as we approach these holidays to stay safe while being able to um, enjoy the time with the family.
2: Gone are the days of like, you know, I'm hanging out with friends the next day today. I'm going to wait in line for hours for a rapid PCR test. Um, Gone are the days of like planning a full day ahead of an event uh, just to get tested so that you can hang out with your friends. I think a lot of people are, sort of traveling freely almost, but, uh, you know, we have rapid tests that are widely available at, you know, even CVS's. So I think mm-hmm. if you're planning on meeting up with a big group of people, give yourself a rapid test. If that test is positive, you know, you're definitely contagious at that point. Um, so stay home, but yeah, I think that's the best way to do it is sort of live your life to the best you can try and stay masked while you're traveling. And, uh, Give yourself a rapid test before any big gathering.
0: And I think just some general tips in terms of, right, any gathering, in terms of protecting ourselves and, again, on health in Harlem, we think about others, general safety tips, get vaccinated. We said that already. The vaccines, even with this BA 2 thing going around, they are gnarly effective, like beyond effective, especially when it comes to keeping you out of the hospital, keeping you from Dying to the, uh, from this disease, super effective. Also, we are very blessed in this age with some of the technology that we have. And so, those really expensive smartphones that we have, the tablets, the PCs, the constant connection to the internet, Wi Fi everywhere. Well, let's pull that data, right? So that we can make decisions that'll keep us safe. The CDC has a COVID data tracker, so does the New York Times. Johns Hopkins, they actually have a really cool COVID-19 resource center. There are so many tools out there um, where we can learn the situation around us, right, in our community. Um, And so checking in with the CDC COVID data tracker, I'll tell you what I I found out, right? In my county, Cobb County, Georgia, 53.28 cases per 100,000 people here in the county. Uh, That is a positivity rate of 2.8%, right? 2.8%, 2.08% positivity rate uh, in COVID tests here. 31.92% change is an increase in the last seven days. Whoa, Maurice Selby, there's an increase in your neighborhood. Maybe I need to be a little bit more careful, right? When I go run for uh, food, I was actually in, this is last week, Christine and I wanted dinner. We were trying out a new place. I went into this, I thought it was going to be like a sleepy little family pizza joint. I went in there. It was actually like, it was the hot spot. Everybody's there chilling, <laughs> like got drinks flowing. They got this little sports bar, all these screens. I was like, yo, this is dope. But then I was like, yo, I'm glad I bought my mask. Um, cause it was just so many people. Right. And everybody's having a good time. Um, I was probably the only individual wearing masks, but that's because Maurice Donovan. So we knows there's a little uptick in cases, right? Locally. Um, and so I had to change my behavior to protect myself to protect my family um those that i sort of interact with on a day-to-day week-to-week basis my in-laws right who are elderly um and even have some uh um conditions that can make them more prone to having bad problems from covid so yeah i changed my behavior based on what i know is going on locally around me right thanks to these tools that we have um which is this is something that 100 years ago <laughs> During the Spanish influenza, that was not available to them, right? They were not blessed with this data, with this technology. So we need to use that. Also, exercising basic hygiene, right? Some other general tips, washing our hands, keeping our hands away from our face um, and washing our hands before and after meals. These things can go a long way in preventing the spread of illness. And then obviously considering your own risk when thinking about safety and COVID-19. And if you're sick, stay home, regardless of the test. Even if you test negative, these tests are not perfect, even a rapid test, especially. Um, And so if you are symptomatic in any way, it don't even matter. It don't got to be COVID. It could be influenza. It could be respiratory syncytial virus, some other viral entity. Why spread that? (laughs) You know, just stay home, um, get better. And we can go a long way in protecting um, ourselves and other people.
1: Now, Mo, are yeah. there certain places that you do wear a mask versus other places that you don't like, for instance, mm. I, I would always wear a mask in the subway like mm-hmm. it just I, even if they completely lift that ban, I would still wear it in the subway or public transportation uh, or large meeting places. But mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe in my household uh, you know that, That's that been long gone that people mm-hmm. haven't really been wearing masks in, in their households anymore. And I'm personally, I'm, I'm one of those people who, uh, you know, I, I, I don't in the house. Um, do you have like a certain kind of threshold where you say this is the kind of place where I'm going to be wearing a mask versus this place? Uh, I feel a little bit more safe or do you just kind of eliminate all risk?
0: Mm. So me personally, and this is kind of um, the opposite of what we see coming from agencies like the CDC, right? I wear my mask. Um, and that's, this is, again, everybody has their different tolerance for risk. Um, and so in places that are enclosed, in places that I'm not quite sure about the situation with their ventilation, right? Not every place, um, if there were a code for COVID-19, right, ventilation um, in terms of filtering the air, um, and maximizing the safety, right? The minimizing the amount of viral particles that might be circulating. Um, not every place is on top of this, this type of stuff, right? So in a place where there's a lot of people, it's enclosed, I'm not sure of the ventilation, <laughs> there's no open windows. Um, and especially in a place where I can't adequately distance and then looking at what I know locally, for instance, when I was in that restaurant, right? Um, enclosed area, a bunch of people happy drinking and stuff. Well, I'm just waiting there for my phone. I'm gonna wear a mask. I wore my mask, um, and that was my personal preference. So, me personally, to maximize my safety, um, and to and knowing sort of what's happening in the environment around me, I wear my mask. Now, I'll contrast that though, right? I was in uh, vacation recently, another part of the country, rates lower, uh, than you know what we see uh, where I live. And so my behavior was different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because we, aside from it, it's just me and my family, right? Um, closely congregating with one another and one other family that we know well, they're vaccinated. Um, they too exercise precautions in their day-to-day lives and activities. And so aside from them, that was pretty much the only family that we were very close to sort of hanging out with. Um, but there, I did not really wear a mask, almost not at all. Unless I, there was one point I went to a supermarket to grab some um, like snacks and stuff, I wore it in there. Uh, but for the most part in our day-to-day movements, and mostly we were outdoors, I really did not. Um, and in, in in the indoor areas, everything was spread out so much and well ventilated, right? Um, because the weather was fairly nice. We're down in the south. so a little bit different situation than was probably happening in the north, um, especially in New York. Um, you know, windows open spaced out and we did not wear masks as much there. Right. And again, being at the local rates of COVID transmission, the hospitalization rates in that area were on the lower side. And so, yeah, my behavior was different in that respect. Now, did I still wash my hands? Absolutely. Am I vaccinated and boosted? Yes, my wife is. And my daughter is vaccinated. And um, uh, when it's recommended, um, will be probably boosted as well. Right. And so we've maximized what we can do um, or nearly maximize what we can do from a safety standpoint for myself and my family. And also as much as we can, we try to protect others um, as well by keeping our hands clean. Right. Um, trying to maximize right when we can socially distant behavior as much as we can.
1: Absolutely. And, and just kind of reiterate what you were saying in terms of uh... Uh, how you were able to protect your family using vaccinations, the, the, the data from New York City shows that the caseload for those who were vaccinated versus unvaccinated was about one-third. The hospitalization rate looks like it's about one between one-fifth and one-sixth of what it would have been, and the death rate is about one-sixth of what it would have been for people who are unvaccinated. So data definitely shows that for longer than a year, these vaccinations have shown uh, tremendous efficacy in lowering the caseload, hospitalization, and deaths. So the severity of the infections are significantly uh, lowered by covering yourself through these vaccines. And just to kind of uh, piggyback off of the, the information you shared about Uh, Your local neighborhoods in in New York City, we are Mm -hmm. still seeing a decrease in the trend of our our daily average and our daily average over the last 28 days. So Mm -hmm. the percent positive rate for the last seven days is currently at 1.69 and decreasing. The number of confirmed cases is 683, number of probable Mm -hmm. cases is 123, hospitalizations are down to 15 within 14 days of diagnosis. And deaths are down to six for the last seven days on average. So mm-hmm. um, these numbers are promising. So we're not trying to tell you that we haven't come a tremendous way since the beginning of mm-hmm. this pandemic uh, in terms of how we're able to protect ourselves. But we still need to practice the best habits uh, in terms of hygiene and uh, our, our precautions to prevent this from going the other way again, especially in light of this new sub variant. Is it going to what we were, we were talking about at the sort of the
0: pregame show, right? Um, in that I know Reed had brought up that um, the mayor was right out and about sort of promoting the fact that mask requirements and mandates were being relaxed um, in New York city. But again, Right. From what you just relayed, you have the data to support measures like that. Um, now, again, it goes back to exactly what you said, though. Right. The, the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, what Giorgio just emphasized was that that does not mean it's over. Nobody ever said <laughs> that it's over. Nobody ever said that there's no thought that needs to be put forth um, when it comes to right living beyond COVID-19. Because, again, we do have to move on as a society. I totally agree. Um, I think there are times, right, where we maybe, yeah, we shouldn't be masked, be masked. There's so much communication, right, that we get from seeing each other's faces, right? Um, It's very important, especially for our children, their growth and development. Um, We know some of the challenges that have arisen, right, from the lack of um, in-class time uh, with children, you know, even reading ability, being able to pronounce words, right? So, yeah, we don't, we're not talking about masks indefinitely here on Health in Harlem, but we are talking about being very uh, intentional, being very strategic. And I would even, again, say a common sense approach to living beyond COVID-19. And so with those numbers being the way they are, if I got to New York, Giorgio, um, especially looking at that positivity rate, um, with the testing, I know you said it was like 1.6, I think you said, yes, percent. 1.6, nine, yeah. um, and that's even lower um, than what we see in my county locally, right down here in the south. Um, uh, yeah, there were probably be more situations where I don't wear masks. I know there have been a lot of things that in New Yorkers, especially with the outset of the outbreak and how terrible things were. Right. We learned a lot in the city. So there are restaurants now with outdoor dining options. So if I got there on a nice spring day, Well, guess what? My preference would be to dine outdoors. One, because I love New York City. (laughs) That's a home for life, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm a New Yorker to the fullest. Um, But yeah, I would be like, look, let me dine out because I know it is well ventilated, right? I'm outside. um, Probably can distance a little bit better on the outside. And guess what? Um, Then I would be much less likely to wear my mask on the indoor, on the outdoors, right? Um, I'd feel much more comfortable versus if I'm indoors, it's crowded, people. boisterously laughing, which I don't blame you. If you're having a couple of drinks and you're with friends and family, um, socializing, well, guess what? It's nice to have a good laugh. Um, but I'd probably, I don't know, depending on the rates, I might wear my mask. Right. Um, so it's, there's a good amount of common sense that I think needs to go with this. And when we do see a potential uptick in cases with BA two coming, because it is coming, ladies and gentlemen, I think You know, there could be spikes. There are some experts saying that we might see um, another wave. Well, guess what? My behavior might have to change based on what we see happening around us. Right. Um, And like I said, just now with with what we see with some of the uptick in cases down here, my behavior has changed. And I think that's what we really need to focus on And that we can we have control over how this sort of pans out in the future. A lot of control.
1: And and we could use that information that is, is so readily available to make these informed decisions. Because, like, right now, you go to NewYorkCity.gov and you search for this COVID-19 data, and it's, it, it's so comprehensive that you could look at your neighborhood within New York City, mm-hmm. or you could go by zip code, and you could see the list of how different neighborhoods are ranked. So, for instance... Um, in East Harlem is number 19, Central Harlem is number 13, in terms of uh, the the most infections in the city out of, let's say, I think it's 42 different neighborhoods. So uh, in Central Harlem, you might want to be a little bit uh, more cautious. But that's still one third, approximately of the rate that you see in Chelsea, Chelsea is coming in at number one. Gramercy Park at number two, Upper West Side, number three, Lower Manhattan, number four, Downtown Heights, number five, Park Slope. So those neighborhoods I'd probably be a little bit more cautious about. And you could kind of monitor wherever you are. So if you're in, let's say, Rockaway, Queens, then you have about 34 uh, new cases per 100,000 people in the last seven days compared to 191. So almost between one sixth to one seventh, the number of cases as Chelsea mm-hmm. happening in Jamaica, Queens. So it, it's, it's all relative. And our lowest is actually Fordham Bronx park with 20. So mm. uh, kind of interesting how the, the cookie crumbled with this one. I guess that it kind of shows that uh, wherever people are congregating more often, they're still, a higher caseload um than than Facts. some other areas yeah
0: and lastly i would just add that as far as this personal visit right to friends family um especially like really intimate settings i think it's, i don't think it's unreasonable to ask or to inquire about what measures are in place wherever you're going right so are the people there vaccinated right if uh that was one thing with my family. We talked about a lot was like, well, who's coming over and already vaccinated because mm-hmm. we want to make sure that they are safe. You're coming down to, um, you know, Georgia and some of the at, at the time that family was talking about coming down. I'm like, well, the rates are high, man. So I'm hoping you're vaccinated. If you're not, it's risky for you. All right. Me, yeah. my family, we're vaccinated. We're good. Um, So I feel comfortable hanging out with you. But if you're not vaccinated, it might not be the time for you to come visit us. We'll do what we can on our end to wear masks and to protect you. But in my community, it's spreading like crazy, right? So that can change things. And also just knowing who's who in the household or wherever you're going, maybe some people, right? It's not about being nosy, but if there is somebody in the house that is potentially immune compromised, so they're on chemotherapy, maybe they have certain conditions um, that their immune system is not right. Um, as robust as other individuals. Maybe there are medications that lower their immune function, right? Those are things that could be helpful in protecting those individuals. I want you to hang out with them too. Those are your loved ones. Those are your friends. We want you to be with them, but in a safe way, right? You don't want anything bad to happen to those individuals. So it is good to have that information and use that in terms of how you're going to interact, how you are going to be together. I don't think those are unreasonable things to ask. And it's also about courtesy, which I know there have been conversations about us getting back to that in this country, Um, because and I'll tell you one experience. um, We just bought a house, ladies and gentlemen, down here in the south. A lot of work being done, um, different things we're doing throughout the house. And we have a lot of people coming in and out, contractors and stuff. And this one gentleman, man, he came and was like, hey, do you? do you want me to wear a mask? And I was like, wow, you know, I'm really glad that you asked that question. Yes, I would prefer to you wear a mask. And he's like, all right, cool. Um, I'll go get one from the truck. Right. It was a simple question. It was a courtesy that he extended to me um, to say, hey, do you want me to wear a mask? Right. He felt comfortable coming in. You already had COVID. He felt like, hey, I'm, I'm okay. I have some immunity. I have antibodies. Fine. He felt protected, but he took that step in asking how we felt right about our comfort. And then in, in an effort to protect us, right. Wore a mask. That was amazing. That was a courteous gesture. Um, that was something that I think that we really need to consider as we go forward, right. How do other people feel around us? So that's the question I asked, Hey, do you want me to wear a mask? Right. Um, uh, is there anybody around that's sick, you know, that, might, um, be at increased risk. I'll wear a mask. I will do things to protect that individual. Um, I don't think it's hurtful to ask those things. If anything, I think it's something that is really just, um, in terms of taking into consideration everyone and protecting ourselves and, and each other. Um, I think really that's something that we really need to do as we go forward and live beyond COVID-19. So, so Reed, you had an intuition situation at work, right? Um, because that's the next thing, man. Everybody's getting back into the work arena. um, And I've heard drastically different things happening (laughs) in
2: people's work environments. So we had a breakthrough case at work the other day. Um, And I just want to say, like, I'm just saying this whole story as uh, an example of what You know, can happen in a workplace and how a workplace can respond. I'm not trying to criticize my workplace in any way. Um, Word, I I was going
0: to say to those sleuths out there, you know, you got these (laughs) internet sleuths. They're going to like look up Reed. We don't even mention your last name now. And they're going to be like, oh, he works here. This is no, stop. Okay. (laughs) This is just for illustrative purposes. We are trying to get some information, some hardcore scenarios so we can all learn how to make decisions going forward. Thanks, Reed. (laughs)
2: yeah with that out of the way let me paint you a picture all right at work you know it's a it's a big space you know we have some people that work across from us in a bookstore and uh and a thing and we we do a little cafe in the same space so one night we had a, a pretty big event you know we had people there there was a band playing um we were serving cocktails you know people were walking around mingling enjoying beverages and food together uh all that jazz sounds like a good and yeah. And it was a great time. And the next day, uh, one of the attendees of the event comes in the next day to her workplace. Uh, you know, not feeling great, has a hangover, you know, sort of bumbles around work, gets some tea. Coworkers are all like, Hey, let me take care of you. You go lay down. Isn't feeling well, like lays down on the floor for a while. Um, eventually, finally, the director of the space comes around and sends, sends her home and says, Hey, you know what, let me get you an Uber, send you back home so you can go rest and recover and then get a COVID test as well. And turns out that COVID test was positive. Um, and so during the next couple of days, uh, they required all of their other employees in that space to also get a COVID test and submit that as proof. However, mistake I guess that's the end of that story. We can sort of like retrace uh, back from the beginning and sort of, you know, point out the mistakes that were made and the things that were done right on an individual level and on a group level. So I guess going back to the beginning, right? Uh, the first day where the, the employee comes in and isn't feeling too great, thinks it's a hangover. Um, I think I heard her vocalize. Uh, you know, I only had like two or three drinks last night. I didn't, think I had that much but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling too great this morning feeling kind of hungover and her employees are her her co-workers are getting her tea like I'm serving her tea she's laying down they're like hey here's some bread maybe it'll settle your stomach etc mm-hmm. etc um, and I think like even on an individual level you know you might think you know what is affecting you you might think it's a hangover but I think from one, like Maury said way earlier in the program, like stay home. If you're not feeling well, go ahead and stay home. Um, or if you're out in public and say you made it to work and now you're like, Oh man, I was feeling okay. this morning, but now I made it to work and I'm really not feeling well, go ahead and throw on a mask. You know, it it really couldn't hurt. Um, you hmm. think, you know what might be the cause of it, but you, you just want to protect those around you. So it, throw on a mask. I know you. I understand you might be nauseous, but honestly, if putting on a mask is the difference between making you that much more nauseous that you're going to throw up, you should be heading home regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd say that was that was kind of a mistake from an individual standpoint. Uh, I think you know it's and it's tough when you see that going on, uh, especially as I think a, a director of the space probably should have come over and said. Hey, you know, I know you're not feeling too great. I hear you think uh, it's probably because you're a little hungover. I'd really appreciate if you put on a mask and I'm thinking about sending you home, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's tough in that circumstance to sort of approach your employee. Who's like, ah, it's a hangover. I had a couple, too, too many drinks last time. And just say like, Hey, I know you're saying it's a hangover, but like, we truly don't know at the end of the day, chances are it is, but like, Please put on a mask uh, if you're not feeling well. And so I think that's something they could have done in the space. And then uh, what they did well was they sent her home eventually. You know, if you're if an employee shows up at work and they say they're not feeling well, definitely send them home. If they're truly not feeling well, they should be at home. If they are feeling well. Virtual work has become so accessible Mm -hmm. and so seamless, honestly, to switch back and forth between being in work in person and in work virtually. Uh, I'm sure there's something they could be able to do from home. And then finally, I think something else they did right was they required all their employees the next couple days to get a COVID test. Mm. Uh, They knew everybody had been potentially exposed during that time and they they wanted to make sure that everybody in the space was currently testing negative for COVID. So I think that was great. Uh, I think they even bought up some COVID tests and had them available for the employees when they showed up at work. Uh, So that was good.
0: That's what's up. And we know that test-to-state programs work, actually, um, uh, from evidence in the schools, um, especially a lot of evidence out of California, ladies and gentlemen. So if they're asymptomatic, right, no symptoms, And these individuals that could have been potentially exposed, if they test negative um, and we've said, especially again, this is really data we've seen with children, but I think some of it can be extrapolated to adults um, where, yeah, test to stay, like take the test. It's negative. You have no symptoms. You continue to come into work.
2: For sure, yeah. And I think I also wanted to mention, um, when they did notify everybody at work that there was a case, they did keep that person anonymous, which, you know, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta follow those HIPAA protocols. However, they did notify everybody that worked with them. Uh they forgot to notify the entire cafe team. So wow. we were sort of sitting around and we showed up the next couple of days. And uh so we were kind of frustrated when we found out a couple days later that uh, everybody had been required to go get tested, had been exposed potentially. um, And we started wearing masks again because it had only been a couple days since the incident. Mm -hmm. And something we were a bit confused by was right after everybody had received that COVID test, everybody that worked in that space and tested negative, they did not continue to wear masks. And I was sort of like, Hey, you know, like the the work week is five, five days. This happened right before a weekend, you know, give it five days. Even yeah. if you test negative, if you know you've been exposed in that space, continue wearing a mask at that point. I don't know. It felt a little weird that like right away, everybody went right back to, to not wearing masks right after they tested negative. You know, there's a,
0: there's like a peer pressure thing to the masks. Okay.
2: It's true. Yeah.
0: Because, and I felt this, I think when I was on vacation, where it was like, wow, everybody's unmasked and I'm like the only one donning a mask and you feel weird. And there's times where I felt like I had to have courage to be like, well, you know what? F this, I'm wearing the damn mask. <laughs> right? Because um, I think it's one of those things that we also need to consider with all of this, the social dynamics like mask versus unmask. And even if you will, the political statements tied to these things, right? Um, or meaning are tied, tied to it. But I think, again, ladies and gentlemen, in getting making sure that we personally are safe and also in taking into account others around us, let's put all of that crap on the side. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, and there's times where I definitely had to do that, right? Mentally say, you know what? I'm wearing it because this is the environment that I'm in, right? And I want to wear the mask, kind of to to make a statement that this is an independent decision. I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting other individuals. um, And so I wear it. Right. Um, It's it's something that I think we really need to just be cognizant of and not let what's happening around us affect us. So if you want to wear the mask, ladies and gentlemen, or you're unsure and you think the safer bet is to
2: wear it, just do it, I think. Yeah, um, and speaking of uh, one of those tough social situations, was a couple days at work after this incident. Um, another one of the people that worked in the space showed up and was complaining about a stomach ache, saying they'd you know eaten something the night before that they thought upset their stomach. And even though they were saying that, one of the leaders of the space approached her and said, "Hey, I know you think your your stomach's upset because of you know what you ate last night, but we're gonna." Ask you to wear a mask for the rest of the day, um, if not send you home. Like I know mm-hmm. you feel like you can stay and you can work, and that your stomach's upset because you feel like you have this, but you know we're not entirely sure what's causing that, so we'd like you to wear a mask for the the rest of the day. And I think like that's an uncomfortable situation, and being on the receiving end of it, you could be like, oh, I just have a stomach ache. That mm-hmm. seems a bit excessive to ask me to wear a mask the rest of the day, but we're coming from what from doing months of wearing the masks every day at work all the time. Honestly, I feel like if, if somebody's asking you to do a small thing to, so that everybody else in the space feels a bit more comfortable um, and protected, then I think that's just a small ask to do. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an uncomfortable situation having to approach somebody and ask them to do that. But I know as an onlooker, I really did appreciate uh, the, the manager of the space going up to her and saying like, Hey, Just to protect everyone else here, please put on a mask. Mm. And one thing, because you know what? I know. All right. I got to be devil's advocate
0: in addition to Debbie Downer. Devil's advocate. Okay, (laughs) Here he goes. Because I know there's some political knucklehead out there that's listening or that could get wind of this anyway, or that makes this argument where they're like, well, I don't feel comfortable wearing the mask. And what about my comfort? And blah, blah, blah. And all right. I hope that was a good impersonation of. I don't know. Maybe I can do it in another voice. What about my Harper and <laughs> wearing a mask? You know, listen, regardless, the point is people have lost their lives over COVID. I have not heard. There's probably a case report. I don't know. Um, but nothing that is in terms of the risk of wearing a mask. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I've not heard of any reported deaths from a person wearing a simple face mask. Um, And so uh, with that said, again, going back to what Reed just pointed out, somebody asked you to wear a mask, especially if you're having symptoms that sound like it could be COVID, even if you're just feeling tired and out of it, just wear the mask. People have lost their lives over this illness. People have lost loved ones right, um, through this illness. And so that's where that is coming from. Right. In that we're just asking you to do this thing so that we can, one, this is a fact, minimize the spread of this potentially very serious illness, right? And so if you have symptoms and it sounds like you could be spreading it or you're in a place where it is high risk and you could be spreading it, just wear the damn mask. That's the safest thing. Um, And then to add to that, yeah, people's lives have been lost, right? Um, And so not only for the comfort of those individuals around you, but also in real life, saving people's lives, and reducing the spread of COVID-19, just wear the mask. So, yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, just just wear the damn mask. That's the <laughs> if people ask you. Right. Um, I think that's uh, that level of courtesy. Again, just like that um, individual, the contractor that came to the house, he asked of our preference. And I said, you know, if you don't mind, that would be great. Thank you very much, because we had a little anxiety, right, with this person coming in at a point where Omicron is spreading like crazy. Um, and so when he asked that question, it was like, "Wow, I really appreciate that," um, because right, not only is he protecting himself, actually, ladies and gentlemen, while wearing a mask, but he's also protecting and extending that courtesy to us, which I thought was phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, and that was uh, right. He didn't like wearing a mask. Obviously, he's uncomfortable wearing it. It, it makes him. Un- but for our comfort, for and believe it or not, his personal safety and reducing the spread, he did that. That's what I think is going to help us live beyond this illness in the foreseeable future. So anyway, we'll wrap up with that. As we wrap up, actually, what would you guys say are like your big take home points from this?
1: I think the the main take home here, it's not over till till the, the opera lady sings. What I mean by that is that this this uh, uh, pandemic isn't over yet. We have a lot of things to be happy about in terms of the progress that we've made. We have a lot of things that we're still grieving, a lot of things that we're still letting go of, a lot of pain that we're still letting go of. As we move forward, we can prevent further pain by by practicing the best hygiene practices possible and keeping our guard up by keeping those masks up because we haven't exactly reached Heard immunity levels of va- vaccinations. We've done an amazing job in the U S uh, in Europe. They have an even higher vaccination rate right now, and they're still experiencing this new wave of the new subvariant. So I think that we have to keep our guards up at the same time. You know, I'm, I'm super happy that we're down to 1.69% in the last seven days, uh, in New York city. And I hope that we continue this downward trend and hopefully we can look forward to a future where uh, this isn't necessary. I hope that some, the data shows that it's finally safe to to go without a mask. But until then, let's keep it up so that we can try and eliminate this pandemic um, from being a thing anymore. Hmm.
2: It's tough because there's not really CDC guidelines or any sort of government guidelines on how to go about the day to day. Now, there's just mask mandates or no mask mandates. Um, So I can't really tell you what the CDC recommends, but I can tell you what I'm going to do. I got a box of masks right by my door. I always grab one for my face and one for my back pocket my pants, you know, just in case it snaps or something happens. I always got two masks on me before I leave. Um, And I'm going to go about my day like I normally do. I'm going to take the train to work with a mask on. Um, I'm going to work with a mask on. I'm going to go see friends. You know, I might be out at a bar, uh, sitting at a table, drinking some beer, eating some food. And if I get up to go to the bathroom, I might stop and I I might think to myself, huh, I'm already inside. I'm already sitting here with my mask off. Should I put my mask on to go to the bathroom? And I figure Mm. the answer to that, you know, why not? Like I got a mask in my back pocket. It's not like it's, you know, causing me any pain or issue. It's, it's just a simple thing. I gotta, I gotta take my hand, get my mask out of my pocket and put it on my face. And so it's really not that big of a deal. And I think, you know, I might get a couple looks of people like looking at me funny being like, you're sitting at that table drinking beer, but now you're putting on a mask to like walk by me and go to the bathroom. You know, what do you think I am like sick or dirty or something? But uh, Mm. I think, you know, you got to do with what you're comfortable with and you have to have confidence in that. Um, Mm. There's always going to be people who are going to judge, but. I think as long as you're confident in what you're doing and as long as you're doing what makes you feel comfortable, then, you know, more power to Mm. you.
0: Word. And I'll I'll say I'm a fan of living your best life, but living your best life safely. And so if that said, I think really, again, a common sense approach to this can be very beneficial And with all the tools that we have available to us today, we need to take advantage of those things. So obviously, one of the chief tools (laughs) is getting vaccinated. If you have not been vaccinated up to this point, should strongly consider doing it because it has been shown time and time again um, for COVID-19 to be effective in keeping you safe from this virus. Even if you get it, you're much less likely to end up in the hospital or worse. Uh, Also, another great tool that we have available to us. Modern medicine, ladies and gentlemen, we got masks. I mean, that's old news, but still, um, the masks are available. They can protect you. They can protect other individuals. And um, again, I think it's something that we need to consider, and especially using all the other tools that we have available to us. Again, the CDC COVID data tracker, um, many different data trackers out there that'll, as we were saying, actually, Giorgio pointed out um, and read, right? You can type this into the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. They will tell you what the local rates are. You can do that on the COVID data tracker on a CDC site. We'll put that into the show notes, um, the link to those uh, resources. Um, But this way you can get a real time idea of what's happening around you in your community. Um, And this way you can make decisions, right, to protect yourself, your family and everyone else around you. Um, And I'll tell you from experience, right, like I go into work, I work in a very high risk environment, obviously, in the emergency department. So I still wear my N95, right? Um, But then going to, let's say, the supermarket and the rates aren't that high. Maybe I'll just wear I wear a simple face mask, right? The regular three layer um, mask that you get from any pharmacy uh, around you. Um, And depending on the environment, there are times where I have an N95, right? Um, Commercial N95s that we have purchased um, that are certified um, by OSHA and NIOSH. Um, that's what that's what I wear. Right. Depending on the situation and what's happening, how high risk um, the environment is. And so the fortunate thing, like I said, we got all that data, all of those things available to us. So we need to use it. And that's it. And we can live right. As I said, safely, um, but also enjoy our time together um, and protect those around us. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to close out the program we thank y'all for listening to the program each and every week and also we um oh yeah Imani's here ladies and gentlemen she's been a super patient um the most patient five-year-old I can imagine and she's watching us record so you want to say something Imani um look at
2: that. Look at
0: that. say say hello everyone say it's nice to be here
2: oh, I thing
0: to oh, I <laughs> oh um we gotta, we'll sing the song another time, okay? Okay. It yes. was the goodnight song, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to remember it too, Imani. Anyway, Imani's oh, here. I remember. Okay, that. sing it. Go ahead.
2: Never really
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, How are you forgetting that <laughs> thing's at five years old, kid? Oh my goodness.
2: Okay, next time. All right. So I want to say hello.
0: Hi. 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 <laughs> That's yeah. the money, ladies and gentlemen. That's why, right? I do what I do because um, to protect myself, so I can take care of her, but also to protect her, right? That's what it comes down to in making these day-to-day decisions, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as always, each and every week, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas. Harlem, take care of yourself.